Do you have a message that the world needs to hear? Do you want to make a living making a difference in the world? If so, this is the place for you. Welcome to the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Podcast. I am here with Raul Lopez Jr. What's going on, Raul? Hey, Jake. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing so good, and I'm glad to be talking with you. Uh, right behind you right now, uh, for those of you who are watching this video, you have your banner for your book, Heal the yeah. Boy, and the Man Will Appear. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me about, let, let's just start with that title, because I think a lot of I like talking about people's story and who they are and where they come from, but I, I think a lot of your story will come out in talking about Heal the Boy and the Man Will Appear. Absolutely. So if you want to jump right in, yeah, uh, Heal the Boy, the Man Will Appear, and the subtitle is the importance of understanding and expressing your emotions. And I learned that. Th this, this whole thing is just my life, the trauma that I went through, and then what it took for me to get past it and how I learned to understand what created the difficulties in my life, which was me, and how I got past it and where I'm at today. So uh, you wanna just jump in? I do wanna just jump in. I think that people see, people will see you from the outside looking in, you're posting videos all the time, social media, you're putting on events with big name speakers, you got this book out, you're doing all these great things, but people don't know your backstory, which is uh, where you came from. And so let, let's start there. Let's talk about how you became, how you got into who, what you're doing now, but more importantly, the story before that. Okay. No, that's, that's good. I love that. That's, I love to share my story. That's what this is all about. So uh, go, going back, um, I, as we've discussed in the past, and I do a lot of keynote speaking, uh, when I was 24 years old, uh, I got out of San Quentin prison. You know, and I'd spent the majority of 10 years prior to that incarcerated. So from 14, basically, till 24, I spent the majority of those years incarcerated, in and out. I wasn't incarcerated. I was on the streets uh, doing silly things. That's why I kept getting incarcerated. <laughs> um, what led to that is childhood trauma. Now, the story I'm going to tell you in short, um, I didn't understand any of the stuff that we're talking about now back then. I was just lost, you know, emotionally, uh, mentally, I was lost. Uh, but a lot of trauma and trauma for me happens at, at, happened at a very young age. Uh, I, I, up to seven years old, I was with my mother, my father, and my siblings. My, my mother came into the marriage with two kids. My father came into the marriage with one, and then they had me. So we were a family, and um, we were a happy family. We traveled around um, Northern California mostly. Uh, back then, in the 70s, it was uh, orchards apricots, cherries, mm -hmm. walnuts. It was just orchards. It wasn't the Silicon Valley that it is today. It's a great place to live. We were a lot of loving, uh, had a lot of love and just joy. Um, what I didn't know is that my father was drug addicted and living a pretty crazy life. I didn't see it as a child. I just knew that I loved my dad. We were so close. I say he was the sun and I was the earth. I needed him to survive. We're, mm -hmm. I love him. Uh, one day, seven years old, <coughs> my mother comes home and uh, she says, son, get in the car. We're going to go for a ride. And to get in the car and go for a ride with my mother was not uncommon. Um, our entire family lived within a five-mile radius of us. So we were going to grandma's house, aunt's house. I mean, we were, we were always going for a ride. This time was a little bit different. 
um, the, the next thing I knew, seven years old, uh, well, the last thing I remember of my father is waving at him from the back of the car, window, bye, dad, see you later. And the next thing I know, uh, I was headed walking onto an airplane. And I looked, and big airplane, it was kind of exciting. Got on, seven years old, having fun. Flew to Alaska from San Jose, California. Uh, got out, snow, I've never really been around the snow. Fun. A couple days go by. I think actually one day goes by and I go, hey, where's my dad? Mm. And uh, my mom, what she said changed my entire life. Uh, that second, she said, uh, don't worry about your dad. You're not going to see him anymore. Now, have you ever, has anything ever happened to you or you've seen something done and you go, I didn't even know that could happen. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know somebody could do that to another person. Just It's just kind of dumbfounded. I, I had no, I, there was nothing here that said or could imagine that I would never see my father again. Yeah. So it like hit me with this like, what, what do you mean I'm never going to see my father mm -hmm. again? And, and as a seven-year-old, that's such a huge concept to understand. Uh, uh, it was, I didn't understand. And yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and that, and that was part of the challenge. What I do know is I went into, and, and I, like I said at the time, I didn't understand these things, but I went into, you know, a heartbreak. I went into a lot of pain, a lot of emotional challenges um anger depression anxiety all all these just mix of emotions that were happening sadness and pain that i didn't understand or didn't know how to express um besides cry right and that's what i kind of did for for the next couple of months is just cry uncontrollably daily because i was like i said i was used to being with my father all the time and then now it was you're not going to see him anymore and i couldn't understand it so um seven years old at school every day crying not doing any work, not playing with toys. My entire life changed. I, I had no interest in toys and playing and things like that. Um, I was emotionally lost. You know, mm -hmm. I just remembered like being like kind of like a zombie. And, uh, you know, what happens uh, at school when a kid is crying all the time is he becomes the one that people want to pick on. Ah, mm -hmm. him cry, this and that. And uh, I started to harden. I, I went from heartache and pain um, to hardening. And I remember walking on campus every day and kids would laugh at me and point at me. And uh, one day I look up and I see these kids laughing and, and internally, intrinsically, I get this thought and, it's, and it goes, you're never going to cry again and no one's ever going to laugh at you again. Mm. And from that day, for the next 17 years, if you looked at me for more than a couple of seconds, I assumed you were about to laugh at me or you were thinking something bad of me. And I'd fight with rage, like <coughs> just rage. And uh, that took me uh, through a really wild journey for the next I'm 17 sure. years, you know, because uh, what, what was it all about? It was confusion. You know, there was a lot of confusion. There was uh, abandonment. Um, there was a connect, an association that happened to me that all this love that I had for my father, all of a sudden that love equaled pain. And if your association love is to pain, you're not going to have very good relationships in anything or anybody, right? A friend, yeah. family, uh, anybody. So um, we ended up coming back to San Jose and I kind of had that, you know, no one's ever going to laugh at me again type thing, hardening of the heart. And I did get to see my father, but it was then that I realized that he was drug addicted and that it wasn't so much my mother taking me from my father for just because she wanted to take me from him, but that she was protecting me from him mm -hmm. because life that he did he wanted to live and then he wouldn't show up in the whole thing and that's where a lot of these abandonment issues comes in and a lot of just the confusion being lost numb to the world 
And what I realized is that I created an alter ego, that, that, that person, that, it, that ego that said, no one's ever going to laugh at you again. You're never going to cry again. That was somebody that I created to protect the little boy mm-hmm. who, who was broken. I mean, he was broken. He was crying. He was hurt. And somebody had to protect him. So it was this alter ego that I created. So by nine years old, I was doing drugs. At 13 mm. years old, I conceived my first child. Um, he's a grown man today. I got a couple grandkids. He's a, good, he's a great guy. Um, and at, thir- at 14, I got incarcerated. And I would spend the majority of the next years, 10 years, incarcerated. Now, in that time period, um, I always had three questions for myself. You know, uh, most of the thinking and the pain happens when you're by yourself. You know, at the end of the day and you're doing all these things and you're out and friends and whatever you're doing. At the end of the day, you're laying there and you start to think, right? Uncontrollable thoughts that come. And um, I would always ask myself, why do I do these stupid things that I do? Why do I act the way that I act? And why do I feel the way that I feel? Yeah. And, and I remember um, having those questions because right before I would do anything stupid, which I did a lot of dumb things back in the day, I would get this internal thing that would say, don't, don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't, this, these guys are probably not the guys you want to go with right now because you know something's going to happen. Yeah. You probably don't want to go do this, you, you know, but I would do it anyways, right? And, and after I would always like, why did I do that? I knew I sh- something told me I shouldn't have done that. So I would continue to do these things. I always felt down and abandoned and lost. Those weren't the words I could use back then because I didn't know, understand how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, just the things that I did, you know, like I said, the things that I did, the way that I acted, I would act a certain way, a mask. I wore a mask every day, all day, 24 hours a day. I had this mask on. If you saw me, you thought I was cool and Raul and everything else hmm. but internally I was just broken and lost and 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 I, I just wanted somebody to I wanted to be able to love somebody that wouldn't hurt me and there's plenty of people out there but I didn't realize that because I had that association you know um so that that's where where my life started and then after I got out of prison um I looked for answers to those three questions I was like I, I don't want this life you know the things that happen in prison the things you see uh, the lifestyle, the, the culture, the subculture of that life, for whatever reason, so many people do assimilate to that culture and they stay there. They, they yeah. get that life. Yeah. You know? and I, I've learned that it's a subculture. And, uh, you know, for me, I was like, this is not how I'm going to spend my life. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, when I was there, I was 23, 24 years old. And um, I saw old men in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that were fighting on the yard and doing all these crazy things. And I was just like, that's not going to be me. <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not going to be here like that when I'm that age. So I went on this journey and uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me is I was forced to go to college by my parole officer. Mm. And uh, there, there were circumstances around that, but I was forced to go and uh, I discovered psychology, right? Part of the GE in college is psychology 101. And the, the professor of this psychology class was a practicing, she was Native American, she was a practicing Native American spiritual, but she also taught the science of psychology. Mm. So the combination of what she taught was just, it changed my entire life. Uh-huh. 
she was very spiritual in dreams and things like that. But she also just the, the foundation of science. She had that as well. Yeah. She had that as well. And um, I started reading through this book, doing my homework and whatever else you do in that class. But in psychology 101, there's some answers to a few questions that I had. And it said in not so many words, if you feel like this, it may be because this happened to you in your life. Mm. If you act like this, it might be because this happened to you in your life. If you do things like this, you probably grew up in an environment like this. And I looked at this book and I said, there's answers to these three questions that I've had that I had no idea that there mm -hmm. were answers. And so I dived in, man. I mean, I, I got off of my general ed college path and I studied psychology, communications, neuroscience, anything that had to do with the science of the mind and the body. Yeah. And uh, I just went, <coughs> went on the journey of that and I, I figured out so many things about me and I, I was able to function in life without um, being worried about what people thought. I was able to practice changing the culture because after it, such a long time of being in that subculture of incarceration, that's who you become. Doesn't yeah. mean that's who you have to be, but that's yeah. who you become. It's so true when they talk about you are who you hang out with. And if that's who you're with all the time, you're going to become that. You become that and you think that that's how you're supposed to be. You think that's all that life is about. Yeah. And so uh, I was able to figure out that that's not what life is about. And I actually had to practice assimilating back to normal society, whatever normal, if there's such a thing as normal yeah. society, but just outside of that subculture. And I remember even having to practice saying hi to people. Like, cause that's mm. not who I was. I was, I was this guy that had this look on my face. People used to tell me, dude, you look like a killer. Like what's, you know, what's wrong with you? What did that guy do to you? Why are you looking at him like that? Just, I, I was a different person. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to practice like, hi, how are you? You know? And, and I would hear other people there, the way they communicated. Um, one time a guy said, uh, I, I said, Hey dude, you got a nice car, man. And he goes, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I, and I liked the way it felt that he said that to me. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow, that was like awesome. I've never had anybody say, thank you. I appreciate that. And so I started saying that to people. Like when they'd say something, I'd go, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh -huh. <laughs> I appreciate that. I would just practice these things that I would see people do that I like, that I like the mm -hmm. way it made me feel. So I would try to do it for others. But it helped me assimilate and, and change the mindset that I was in. Uh, so, so with that, I understood a whole lot of what was going on uh, scientifically, the, the biological part of me. Um, but I had never really healed from the childhood trauma. So um, as life went on with what I had learned in the college and the books, things, um, I had some success. I mean, I, I think I finished college when I was 29 and I didn't get a degree, but I finished all the things that I was studying. Excuse me. And um, I went on. I'd been working hard the whole time. I've always been a hard worker working in warehouses. And I got recruited by a Fortune 500 company, became the uh, uh, a production manager for this big company, hmm. was doing very well financially. Um, then I started investing um, in real estate. And next thing I know, by the time I'm 31, 32 years old, I have seven figures sitting in the bank. Hmm. So I went from this crazy life of just lost, right, to going to school for a few years, understanding me intrinsically pretty much, and then being able to just kind of function in life and, and had some goals. And I went after those goals with, without fear, just boom. You know, if I can spend 10 years locked up, watch what I can do while I'm free and, and got the right mind. Yeah. I started chasing business and, and, and investments and stuff. 
Next thing I know, I had seven figures. Now, what caught up to me is that I had never healed. That, that's a different thing than understanding the science, right? What, some of the things, one of the workshops that I have, it's called With God is the Foundation. Understanding the science of the mind and body will change your life. And, and I, 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 I use that or I, I, that's my workshop because I discovered that for myself. I understood the mind and body, right? But yeah. I, wasn't, I still wasn't whole. And I still had this, this block, this emptiness that I didn't know what it was, but I would just kind of ignore it because I was successful in business per se, right? Um, so what, what happened is the economy crashed, everybody knows, in 2008. And... I don't believe at all now that I had to fall the way I did financially, uh -huh. but I allowed it to go. Oh, it was an excuse, right? Oh, the, the economy's falling. Everything must be over. My business is dead. I have nothing. And when the money was pouring in like this and I was spending it like this and then the money started pouring in like this, but I kept spending it like this. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I you mean yeah. trying to maintain my lifestyle. And, uh, uh, so all of a sudden I had nothing. <laughs> And I had to get back to work and I went back into this weird funk and depression and things. And uh, I really started seeking God. You know, I, I started trying to understand. I remember the, the pastor that I had used to tell me, quiet your mind, soak in prayer, meditate, and you'll hear from God. He'll speak to you. And so I, I practiced for like a year meditating. Right, learning to quiet my mm. mind because it's a very difficult thing. One of the biggest challenges I see with a lot of my clients is they don't know how to quiet their mind. Yeah. I've worked with I've worked with nine year olds, I've worked with seventy year olds. The mm -hmm. same challenge. My mind never stops. All I think is negative things. I don't know how to stop my mind. So it's a powerful range yeah. um, of people in life yeah. that don't understand we can't control that we can control our thoughts. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I was working with my son on that just last night. <laughs> uh, honestly he, he said dad come in my room I, I watched something scary before I went to sleep and uh, I'm too scared though no, I can't stop so I practiced I had him practice choosing his thoughts think about Disneyland think about the last mm -hmm. vacation we went on think choose what you want to think I walked in there five minutes later he was crashed out of course of course <laughs> right? so it's awesome so 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 going back um I was uh I was practicing all these things but then the, you know I was told by my pastor to quiet my mind and what I was really seeking was trying to get past whatever this block was. And I didn't realize at the time that it was a, a, a healing, heal the mm -hmm. boy, that it was a healing, but I just knew I had this block. And what happened is um, through praying and meditation, I had a vision. And uh, one of the things I used to always see in my block was a wall. And I, I had my own psychiatrist that I would go see, you know, for healing and everything else. Um, and the psychiatrist used to use metaphors, or they still do. I use metaphors mm -hmm. too often. And the psychiatrist said, well, what's on the other side of the wall? And I said, I see this beautiful field. I could visualize. I see this field. I see trees. I see beautiful colors in the sky. She said, but what's there? And I said, I don't know why, but I feel freedom. Freedom's there. Hmm. And she goes, oh, freedom, huh? And I go, yeah. I said, I don't know what it is. I just feel freedom. So she asked me, can you put a ladder on this wall and climb over it? And I said, I can picture a ladder, but I can't climb over it. And she says, can you put a door, picture a door in the wall and open it? And I said, I can picture the door in the wall, but I have no key. Mm. <laughs> I can't get through it. And uh, she says, okay, you know, and, and I went through and I worked with her for a while, but I was never able to get rid of the wall. But yeah. through prayer and meditation, this vision I had is now I'm standing in this field 
beautiful field for miles, trees way out in the distance, beautiful sky, and the wall is gone. And I'm standing there and I'm looking around and uh, I can't move. And I go, well, I'm here, but I can't move. Going back just real quick, um, my father passed away many years before this dream. My father passed away at a very young age of 47 due to the, the lifestyle he was living. Yeah. So way, be way before this vision, my father had passed away. So I'm standing there in this field. I can't move. And I look to the side and I see a little boy there. And he's just standing there with no emotion. And it's me when I was seven years old, when all this happened, when all this started. And I looked at him. And at my first reaction was, I was frustrated. I was kind of angry. And I said, you, I felt like he was holding, he was the one holding me my wall. And I said, why are you holding me here? I don't understand that all these years you've been holding me here. And this little boy looks up at me, uh, never any emotion in his face, just really calm. And he says, I'm not holding you here. You're holding me here. And it was really powerful. This just wave of energy. I mean, I, I, I can't explain. You can't explain when you have this type of interaction. Just this wave. It's like you can see it. You can feel it. Of energy came. And as it hit me, I got understanding of all the challenges that I'd lived in my life. And the recollection, what I got was because I had put this little boy aside and created this alter ego, everything that happened to me, I had created because it wasn't me. It, was, it wasn't this little boy that loved the light. It was this alter ego that I created that was going to defend. Yeah. And when you're in defensive mode, nothing works. Yeah. <laughs> nothing yeah. works. Life, business, relationships, nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing works. And so I, I just got that. And then I looked at him and I felt terrible. And I kneeled down and I started to hug this little boy myself. And these words just came. And I, and I apologize. I'm so sorry. I love you. You are love. You are light. You are joy. You are happiness. And I just started pouring all this love into him. And then I started to call him son. And I realized, like, as I'm calling him son, in the back of my mind, I'm going, this is not my son. This is me. Mm -hmm. What happened, there was a shift all of a sudden. And, and the next thing is I felt my father hugging me from behind, like I was hugging me at seven. And I felt my father's arms around me and he was talking to me and he was saying, you are the light, you are love. And he was apologizing to me, I'm sorry, son. You are the light, you are love, you are joy. And everything I was speaking into this little seven-year-old boy, my father was speaking into me. And it was just pure love, nothing else. There was no concern, no worry, there was nothing, it was just love. And then all of a sudden, we were all three kind of standing there next to each other. And this same message came from above in this, in this wave of energy. And they said, you are the light. Mm. You are the love. You are the light of the world. You are joy. You are happiness. You are my sons. And it was just life-changing. It was really was life-changing. And the next thing I know, my father disappeared. And I had this little seven-year-old boy right in my hand. And I didn't know why or what, but he was in my hand and I just went like this and I put him into my heart. And when I put him into my heart, I just had this healing. Mm -hmm. I had this amazing healing, heal the boy, you know, and the man will appear and I stood there and then the little boy appeared in front of me and he was the one that was looking for the freedom. He wanted to be set free from that I put him aside so many years ago. And he started to walk into the field and I said, oh, and then he stopped and he kind of turned around, he hesitated and he looked at me and I said, you're free. Why are you, why are you hesitating? I asked him. And then I remembered 
That's me. He's not hesitating. I'm hesitating. I've held him. I'm hesitating. There's fear. And then I just got this sense again. And I just said, no, you're, you're free to go. And the little boy walked into the field and he disappeared. And I just got this, this meaning for me, this meaning in life uh, that life doesn't, didn't happen to me, that it happened for me. And now all this that I've lived, loving, child, joy, pain, prison, financial wealth, and then back to being broke again, basically, right? Creating business and then understanding the science and the mind. But what healing came from was understanding who I was on this earth through Christ. And it just changed my whole life. And now I'm just on a mission and I share my story wherever I can. I have my book, I promote it. And the events I put on are based on people that have challenging lives that have come past it, come through it. And now they want to share their story to help others. I always say, I've been through the fires of life, fires of hell, and now I carry buckets of water for others to help them put it out or get through it. Mm, I love that. You know, it's, Raul, it's kind of funny because normally, normally on this podcast, I talk a lot more. But <laughs> you, you just like that story. I just, I just didn't want to stop you. I didn't want to stop you because it was so powerful. Say that line again about the buckets like that you just said about oh, I, the I, fire I, buckets. I, that was yeah. awesome. I've been, through, I've been through the fires of hell and now I carry buckets of water to help others come through that fire. That's incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> and, I, and I think everyone, like your story is pretty incredible. It's a pretty extreme story. Yeah. Um, but everybody has their version of that. You know, their, their story might look different, um, but they have their version of it. Um, one thing that we talked about a while ago, just, just texting back and forth, you were talking about how you talk a lot about why, not in the why as in what is your why to achieve something, but why we do the things that we do. This podcast, this show is geared towards speakers, authors, and coaches wanting to build their businesses. Mm-hmm. And so many of them, it's not the information. It's not the, like the information's out there. It's that they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Why do they not do the things that they say they want to do? Why do they do things that, that don't help them? What, mm-hmm. what do you think is going on there with your story that you just shared? Mm-hmm. Why do you think they're self-sabotaging? Why are they doing those things? Mm-hmm. Well, a, a lot of it, um, and this is something that I've learned, is it's habitual. We, we have habits, right? And then I talked about a little bit about associations. Um, love equals pain is the example that I use. But we associate pain to a lot of things. Uh, you know, um, a lot of times, just even, a lot of times, our, most of the time, our parents teach us our core beliefs. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing anything wrong. They're teaching us what they've been taught. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, if you're a if, if you're a short guy like me and I and I was telling my mom, hey, I'm going to be in the NBA. And she said, son, you're not going to make the NBA. So just don't bother with that. Try something else. Kids receive that and we mm-hmm. accept it. Right. So that's just one example of things that we can be told or heard. And that could be friends, family, business, wherever we're at. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. And we, we receive it and we accept it. So when we do that, we create these associations to what we can and can't do, which is our limiting beliefs, right? So, so many times I've been to wonderful events and I, there's motivators up there, man, and they motivate, they motivate, and you need to go do this and take action and you can do it and blah, 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 great stuff. But they don't tell you how, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you're fired up and you leave and you go, okay, now what? Well, let's see. I want to, um, I want to have a big name speaker at an event. You know, we we're just talking about that, but no one's going to come to my event. So I'm not even going to bother trying, right? It's an association. It's a limiting belief. So in order to take action, you have to create triggers, right? You got to create triggers. One of the things that you and I both enjoy, I think, is a Tony Robbins event, right? I yeah, 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 yeah. And what we do at those events uh, is we create triggers to take action, right? So when I come from an event or I create my own triggers, I have songs right here that when I'm in a down mood, I put them on, I blast them. And next thing I know, I'm in a whole different state of mind. So right now, the, the, the key to, to re to changing your habits, to creating more positive habits, habits that help you uh, move forward is to recognize, right? And this is part of quieting your mind, what I was talking about earlier, is to recognize when, you're, when the excuse you're giving yourself, the story you're telling yourself, when you say, I'm not gonna do that. I don't think that's gonna work. Or there's fear there. Recognize it and go, wait a second, that's fear. Even if you're going, but it's true, go, wait, that's fear. So yeah. if I were, if I were just <laughs> amazing person, which you are, we all are, Mm -hmm. if I was just an amazing guy and I had no fear, I had unlimited resources, what would I do right now? Well, I'd call this guy right now and I'd say, hey, here's what I'd like to do for you or you can do for me. And then when you got that in your mind, do it. Just do it. (laughs) Right? What are they going to say? No. If they do, then at least you found out. Right? And then you make the next call. Because what what did, I've heard you say this, if you never try, the answer is always no. Exactly. Always no. It's always no. So pick up that phone, make the call, write the email, take the action, and try. And you'll find, at least what I've found, is that there are a whole lot more yeses than there are no's. Now, we get a lot of no's, and and, and that's different if we're talking about sales, because you know you got a bunch of no's and then you get a yes. But what usually happens for me is if I call somebody and they're just like, well, that's not what I do, or that doesn't help me, or I can't help you, they'll go, oh, but I know somebody who can yeah. And they'll do something and you get a lead and you go and you go and you, yep. go and you know, yep. you're on fire and you're getting things done. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. I, lo- I love where you went with that. What advice do you have for speakers, authors, and coaches who are just starting out? Uh, the biggest thing that I can offer in regard to speakers, authors, authors, and coaches that are just starting out is to really understand and I don't want this to be cliche because some, some things have been cliche, become cliche in the seminar world. Yeah. To really understand, excuse me, what you're offering. You know, wh- who are you? What do you have to offer? The, the story that I just told you um, about my life, I could take that in a lot of different directions. Because I told you at one point I was making seven figures. I could tell you a whole story about business and how I got there, right? Yeah. Um, and I could tell you about the struggle and then how I got there and why I was able to achieve that. So understand who you are, what you have to offer, truly understand it, write it down, say it to somebody. If you, if you want to speak, start speaking. I, I practice with this also. I mean, you see a lot of the videos that I make, but I just, I just talk, I say what, what I want to speak to people on video and then I listen to it and I go, oh, that was bad. Let me try it again. You know, and I, and I practice that way. So understand who you are, what you have to offer, not what you can make money at, mm. but what you have to offer. Interesting. Right? What, what do you have to give? Um, and, and it'll come. You, you know that already too. 
Go a little deeper into that. We just said, not what you can make money at. Focus on what you have to offer. Uh, explain what you mean in the difference there. What, it, what is the difference? So I, I've, I've had a couple of businesses, okay? And um, one of them, I specifically started just for the money reasons. There was nothing else. I had, I had no experience or had really had no interest in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. But I learned through just a couple of little bit of research that you can buy, you know, a shirt at Macy's that costs you 150 bucks. If you know the right person, you can buy it for about $3. Mm-hmm. Have, you ever, have you ever been to Macy's and you see something that's 75 bucks and it's on sale for 10 and you go, how do they make any money on that? Mm-hmm. Because they bought it for three bucks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So, so I, I learned that and I, and I know how to create business. I know how to shake hands. I know how to, you know, talk to talk. So I went out and I created this business just for money. In the first year, I think I did about $360,000, but I was sitting there like this, this sucks. It wasn't feeding my soul in any way. I was yeah. just making money. And I, I realized in a lot of things in my life, and that's why I do what I do today, the best time I ever had in anything that I've done from being the production manager, I had the greatest time counseling these young guys that would come into my office and had problems. I'd love for them to have problems. Come and sit down, let's talk. And I would just talk to them and I'd give them whatever advice I had because I had that life experience that I would just yeah. show. And then when I was in the fashion industry and I'd go shake hands with people, make deals and just talk to them. That was the best part of it. But sitting at the office and you know doing the office stuff, there was, there was nothing there and there was no fulfillment because it was just about the money. What I do now in, in you know, life coaching and, and building these forums for people to share their stories. I just, I love it. And there are times that there's not money there. I do a lot of this stuff for free sometimes, you know, and things will come out of it, but I, I love to go speak on a stage for free because share my story because I see the light go on and people go, man, that's powerful. I can, I feel like that right now. And I'm yeah. going to use some of the tools you gave me and I'm going to go practice that and I'm going to use this. That's more fulfilling than anything and any pile of money I've had sitting on my desk. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. When, when you give, we learn this and a lot of people don't understand it. So I'm glad we're talking about it. But when you give, you receive. And that doesn't just mean you're going to get back something. It means you're, you're going to receive the joy, the love, the light of this earth that we're here to enjoy. Too many yep. of us are stuck in the negative. Oh, yeah. I, I like that you pointed that out. One, one thing I, I think of a lot and say a lot is if you don't have if you don't have passion enough for a new business idea to, if it fails epically to keep going and try a different way, Mm -hmm. if you don't have that kind of passion, like if sometimes I hear people say things like, Oh, I'm going to try this. And then if it doesn't work, then I'll do that. And I just go, you should just quit now. Like that, that's not the right idea. You're not willing to try it and just completely fail and then say, okay, now what went wrong? How can I do it differently? Then it's not worth it because most of the time it's not going to work out the first time. Maybe it will down the road when you already have some successes under your belt and also when you already have some failures under your belt that have taught you learning experiences. But if you don't have that, you know, if you're just in it for the money mm-hmm. and you're not, you don't have that passion to be able to keep going, then I don't think it's worth it because even from a practical place, not just from the, the idea of you got to do something you love and enjoy it, but also from a practicality, 
if you don't have the passion for it, if you don't have enough passion for it, that if you can fail once, try again, fail again, try again, fail again, try again. If you're not willing to do that for this idea, then you should probably find a new idea. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I think. What do you no, think? I, I agree 100%. Um, and and I've, I've learned that. And sometimes, unfortunately, it takes us learning that the hard way. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I would say I've learned that the hard way. And, and one thing that I noticed, and you may too as a coach, um, sometimes people aren't ready to hear the truth. Yeah. Right? When we, when yeah. we talk to them, when we try to explain something to them, they go, no. You know, that's just like they just straight up, no, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be. And I don't fight that. You know, I, in my mind, I go, that's who you are right now. But you can completely change who you are today. Who we are today and tomorrow it could be two different things. But I remember uh, talking with this, this young guy one time. He was uh, in his early 20s. And it was actually when I was in the fashion industry. And I already had my ups and downs with my, my seven-figure business. And uh, I was ta- he was always chasing money. I mean, money, 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 this, money, that. And it's funny, when I would hear him, I used to think, Man, that's how I used to talk. I remember that money, 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 money thing. And I said, you know what, man? I said, money isn't what life is all about. I said, it's good to have money. There's nothing wrong with having money, but it's not going to fill that hole you're trying to fill. You know, mm. I said, so money, bottom line is money isn't the end all. It's not what's going to make you happy. And he just looked at me. He just looked at me with this weird look. And he's all, you know what, Raul? I want to learn that for myself. <laughs> and, I, and I cracked up laughing. You know, that, that. He goes, you know like, what? Bring on the money. Yeah. I want to learn that lesson that it's not everything. <laughs> Let me learn it the hard way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other questions uh, before, right. before we close. One of the questions is, you know, you got this great story. I know there's people listening and watching right now. Mm-hmm. Or going, man, that story's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't have a story like that. Yeah. How can I be successful? So mm-hmm. what, what thoughts do you have for somebody who wants to be successful sharing a positive message that, you know, they, they haven't gone through the kind of things that you've gone through? You know, you don't have to have had a bunch of challenges to have a powerful story. You, you said it earlier, so many of us, of us, can relate to that story. I meet people all the time and their story is completely different, but it's the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the emotional challenge that we had. It's the association, the things that stick to us that, that we can't get past. Everybody has something. Um, you know, uh, one time in the, the local church that I was at, the pastor came up and the first thing he said, he's talking about people that have challenges. He goes, has anybody here had some challenges in their life? And most people raise their hand. And then he said, how many of you have had like some really tough challenges in your life? And the rest of the people raised their hand. There's nobody that hasn't had challenges, right? And then he said, um, is there anybody here who hasn't had any challenges? Raise your hand because we want to beat you up right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all have challenges. We all, yeah. there, is no, there is no perfect person. So I'd say if you want to be an author, a speaker, a coach, and you go, I haven't had this huge traumatic event in your life. Um, the odds are that you have, there has been some challenges. I have a good buddy right now who has never been in prison, has never been in gangs, who has never done drugs or anything like that. But uh, his, his little sister passed away when he was about nine years old. Mm-hmm. And he, that trauma stuck with him and he didn't even realize it. The way he acts today, the way he communicates with people is all based on that trauma. 
right? Yeah. But he'll say the same thing. I don't have a story. And I'll go, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we all have something. Totally. I mean, I've, I mean, you just described me. I, I've, yeah. I've never been in prison. I've never been in a gang. I've never done yeah. drugs. Yeah. I've, never even, I've never even drank a drop of alcohol. Well, I mean, I, I, I have a, you know, you could look at things and say squeaky clean, you know, squeaky clean track record and those kind of things. But at the same time, like, you know, people hear me speak. I, I've had experiences. I've had stories. I, I have a story. I have, li- I have life to mm-hmm. share and lessons that I've learned. And I think the one thing that people need to realize is that you have a story in your experiences. And sometimes we discredit them. One mm-hmm. thing that I, I mean, I, I was speaking professionally for almost two years before I ever mentioned that growing up in school, I was considered, I was considered learning disabled. I was in the special education program, didn't read a book cover to cover until uh, I was 18, failed out of college the first time through, you know, came back and succeeded. And it's like, most people would be like, oh, well, obviously that's what you should talk about when you're talking (laughs) in schools. But I didn't even think about it because it was my story. To me, it was nothing. That's not a big deal. Whatever. It's just, Everyone has a story. Everybody does. Before we go, I want to know uh, one other thing. Mm-hmm. You said that at, at that point, at 2008, when you, know, you went from seven figures in, in your bank account to losing everything, I mean, that, that must have been a really challenging time. And I think that mm-hmm. people learn, they learn more from, from those, sometimes from those dips than they do from the mountains. Yeah. And, um, what did you learn in that experience and what can you share with someone from that experience that maybe right now they're going through something similar, maybe not at the same scale, mm-hmm. but they're in one of those valleys. Maybe they just lost everything, maybe whatever it is, but what did you learn from that? How did you get through it? And what can you communicate to someone listening right now who needs that? So, so the base of that, I'll, I'll say something that my mother told me from a very young age. Um, because of all the challenges I was living through, uh, my mother always loved me. She was always my support. And she would always say, time heals. Time heals. And, and I learned that from all the experience of things that I was just telling you about. Everything passes. Time heals. Everything passes. And we always go on to something new. Now, in regards specifically to, to that loss, um, what I believe 100% that it was grooming me for who I am and what I do right now. Because if I would have continued the business that I was in and everything flourished, I, I don't believe that I would be a very nice giving person right now. Although I did donate to the youth groups and the things like that, I stopped actually going and volunteering because I volunteer at juvenile hall. I volunteer in prisons. I stopped going and I started just kind of giving money and thinking, oh, that's good enough. And I got a chip on my shoulder, right? I mean, I, I was 10 years incarcerated and on the streets. And then all of a sudden, I had a chip on my shoulder thinking I was better than other people, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, that money wasn't a fit. So there was a reason. I believe 100% there was a reason that everything went away from me. And what, what happened for me is that I, I was humbled. You know, I, I went from hanging out at the Playboy Mansion to cleaning toilets. The, the job, the only job that I could find after 15 years of being an entrepreneur. Because uh, for whatever reason, entrepreneurship doesn't count as job experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's the ultimate job experience, but on an application, it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. For me. And I found a job because I needed a job badly as a janitor mm-hmm. um, after hanging out at the Playboy Mansion and everything else. And um, 
it took me about a year and a half to humble myself and get back to who I believe God wants us to be of. We're all one. We're all one. It doesn't matter what you do in life, where you work. It doesn't matter if you're in prison or on the streets. We're all one. We're all human. And everybody deserves to be loved and respected. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be friends with everybody. There are people out there that we got to stay away from. But, but we are all one and we should not be judging. Um, so today, uh, I know that as I build my business and things come back to me, it's because of the understanding that I got from losing everything. So if you've lost everything, time heals and look for the lesson in what's happening to you right now. It's not always the easiest thing, but know that it'll heal and that the lesson will come. And then you're going to be better and stronger and you're going to move forward again. Wow. What a powerful message. Thanks, Raul. Uh, how can people be in contact with you? Uh, the easiest way is my website is raullopezonline.com. So R-A-U-L-L-O-P-E-Z-O-N-L-I-N-E.com. And on there, I offer a free assessment. It's called Habit Finder. So it helps us understand some of the habits we have, and I help you get to where it comes from. It's a free assessment, and I give a free one-hour coaching if you take the assessment. So yeah, go to my website, raullopezonline.com. Take the assessments easy. You'll see a free assessment. Click on the button. It's right there. And uh, contact me. I'll help you out with whatever I can. All right. Sounds cool. Any last words of wisdom for the members of the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Network? Uh, man, just keep going at it. Persistence. Keep going at it. Don't let anything stop you. I see a lot of people that get online and they start doing their videos or they start promoting and they go for about a month or two and nothing happens. They're not seeing results and they stop. All of a sudden they disappear and you go, what happened to that guy or that girl? They, they were seeming like they were doing so well. Keep going. Keep mm -hmm. going. That's the key. Persistence. Couldn't agree more. Thank you yeah. so much, Raul. This was right awesome. Uh, this, this was a seriously super inspiring episode. So thank you so much, Raul. Really appreciate you. All right, Jake. Good talking to you, man. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share it with somebody who needs this information. If you're not already a part of our Facebook community, come and join us in the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches network at facebook.com slash groups slash speaker, author, coach, or simply search the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches network. Thanks again for listening. Remember, what you do matters. You can turn your dreams into your reality. Together, we are changing the world one message at a time.